What's up, rich friends? Welcome to Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka your rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. And today we're going to talk about pivoting. Less so what to do when you're helping your friend move a couch up a flight of stairs, but more so if you're looking for a restart, a refresh, a metamorphosis. And I don't know if it's just me, but in our post-COVID world where we're starting to see a lot of people return to office or people struggle to keep up with the cost of living, a lot of folks aren't 100% satisfied with what they've got. They're coming to the realization that the life or dream or career they signed up for isn't exactly what it was cracked up to be. And that is absolutely fucking terrifying. Because I know exactly what they're thinking. You're feeling like you've wasted all this time, energy, and effort, but it's too late to turn back or make a change. Well, I'm here to tell you it's not. Today, we're going to talk about one of the scariest things that any of us can ever encounter, change. And there's nobody better to help me chat through how to grapple with starting over and how it could impact your money than the host of the podcast Trading Secrets, which I was just on, guys, author of The Restart Roadmap and a former Bachelorette contestant himself. Everyone, please welcome Jason Tartik. Wall Street Curly, it's so good to be here. <laughs> Thank you for having me. What a nice intro. Jason, I know we've been trying to schedule this for so long, but we like to start off with how are you doing on a scale of one to 10, you know, one being I'm about to hurl myself into the sun, <laughs> 10 being I just found out that, um, you know, a billionaire left me their entire net worth. <laughs> I like that question. Well, yeah, I know. I always say like my schedule is crazy. I think your schedule is about 4.0 mine. So I'm so glad we could finally connect. Um, let's see. How am I doing? I'm going to say I'm a solid um, I'm gonna say I'm a solid five out of 10. Right okay. Now. Where are you at? Um, You know, I would say I'm a six. Things You're are six. going good, but I'm a little burnt out. Yeah. I just got back from Turkey. You know, I, I feel like I got like one of those like airplane bugs. Yeah. Like when you're just like a little icky mm -hmm. after, you know, just a ton of travel, but all good things. You just busy. Who, you know who does this every day? The one through 10 thing? Who? Rob Deerdeck. Really? So he does it with his- Like Robin Big. Robin Big. So Rob, every single, he's a big venture capital guy actually. Yeah. So he, uh, he has to, his wife, he sends her a quote every day. And she has to write back how, how connected she feels with him, one through 10. And then he has this whole Excel file of all these inputs, like his physical health, his mental mm -hmm. health, like where he is connected with his family. And he puts it in every single day so he could see how his schedule actually correlates to his happiness and connection to his family. Isn't that crazy? That's so crazy, but also very cool. What I will say, though, is if I texted my fiance every day, like, how connected <laughs> do you feel to this? Like, he would literally be like, fuck off. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Well, it sounds like you guys got whatever works for you going. Yeah, um, but I am so excited because there are many Bachelor, Bachelorette franchise fans amongst the BFFs. So I want to rewind a little bit because most people's first introduction to you was through the Bachelorette. Can confirm you guys, very handsome in person. <laughs> but before, you know, going on the Bachelorette, you actually were a... Wall Street girly, a finance guy. Um, talk to me about that. Did you like that? Did you like working in finance? What exactly did you do? I liked it because I thought it was cool. Like I thought I was like, you know, like this is supposed to be what you're doing. And then I was getting promoted like really yeah. fast. And I was like, wow, I could do this well. And I was, it was a good combination of analytical skills and soft skills. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's my forte. Because if I had to go two down the analytical route, I just couldn't keep up with the sharkiest of yeah, sharks yeah, yeah. like yourself. And if I had to go two down the soft skill route, it'd be like, I'm, well, I'm just not stimulated by what I'm doing. Yeah. So it was a great hybrid of, of both. And I, I just eventually ended up getting burned out because I think mm -hmm. what happened is that everything I did every single day was to please and appeal to the people above me. Like, right. how do I stand out? How do I say yes? Where do I go? 
as a result of that, it led me up the ladder. But as a result of that, I was also like an, an absolute puppet just getting shifted everywhere. Mm-hmm. And so I made a bunch of moves. My last move was from New York to Seattle. And it was in that move that I was like, I really lost myself. I yeah. was like, I don't, I, I am just like literally like an empty suit. I don't even know, you know, I write my name down. I know nothing about myself other than my career. I'm at a bar and someone's small talking me. And the only thing or the first thing I could bring up is what I do. And so oh, I definitely yeah. lost a bit of my identity through that job, but I, I enjoyed it. I yeah. enjoyed it. I also feel like you might have had like sad, like seasonal affective when you moved to Seattle. That's true. Which certainly can't help. That couldn't help too. Because <laughs> it was, I went like right in the fall too. Oh. But I also grew up in Buffalo. So it's not like so we So you're have, like, like used to that. Yeah, we are weather shit. So I was like, ah, seasonal depression won't impact me. But you know, it was a, it was a good career. It was a great career. Got my MBA in accounting and finance. I was uh, on the lending side of the business and um, you know, a lot of action. It was, a, it was fun. It was fun. But I'm, I'm glad that that part of my life's over. Yeah. Yeah. And now Jason only has seasonal affective, seasonal depression when the bills lose. When the bills lose, which is right now. So yeah, I'm in that <laughs> deep, dark hole right now. <laughs> For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But you have this great job in finance, to your point. You're a little burnt out, but you like your job. Like, how does one become a contestant on yeah. The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? I got to ask. Absolutely. So I'm, you know, you know this because you were just on my podcast, yeah. Trading Secrets, but I'm very, very transparent with money. And I'm transparent with money because it's a lot of my message, like talk about money for yeah. the good and bad. So at this point, you know, I've been working for the bank for several years. I'm making about 165000 I think my bonus was. Great, base great was. money. Bonus was up in the like two to 300 range based on how you performed. My signing bonus to take this job in Seattle was 110 grand. So my yeah. point is, is like, I'm in a good spot right now. You're making right? good money. Good money, 29. This is like 2017 too, yeah. right? This is before the heyday yeah. of inflation. <laughs> and I just got to a point, I was like so lost, so burnt out. And The Bachelorette, I actually did a charity event for the bank when I lived back in New York, mm-hmm. Gilda's Club. So Gilda Radner, famous comedian. She dies of ovarian cancer abruptly. Mm. They create this foundation foundation on her behalf that if families are undergoing any form of cancer treatment, they will help them A to Z. And so they do this event where they, ironically enough, 30 bachelors from all over the area and you raise funds and then you come out, dance into a song and people bid on you to go on a date. Oh my and, God. And when they bid on you, they also get a package. So they get like, you know, a gift certificate here and they get okay, other nice. things. So yeah, it's yeah. not like they're just bidding on a date. And that night I did some crazy shit and I ended up going for the most amount of money. I was bid for the most. That video got sent to ABC. 10 months later when I'm in Seattle, they call me and say, hey, Jason, do you still live in New York? Are you single? I was like, well, I'm not in New York, but I am single. Yeah. And Wait, can we take a quick pause? What do you think made you go for the most? Was it you were just the most handsome of the 30 or you just think like it was like charisma? Like, did you have a special dance? Did you like? I mean, I think it was, and this is kind of like life, I was just fearless. Why was I fearless? Because I was <laughs> shit-faced. But I came out to old time rock and roll. I had like, and preparation. Okay, I okay. had like three uh, plastic blow-up air guitars. So I like knew where they were going to be. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. signed them. I had a tux on. But then I had this thing where I knew I could like rip my shirt <laughs> yeah. off. And I had like American 
flag stuff. And I was just like running out in the crowd. Yeah. So I was just like working. I kind of like forced people to bid on me because if yeah. they didn't bid on me, they'd be like, I just feel bad for this yeah. jackass. Yeah. Okay. I love that. All right. So ABC calls you. You're like, I'm single. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're like, "Are you single?" Right? And I was like, "Yeah, I am." I was, like, and I thought it was fraud at first because they said, <laughs> "They go like, here, we're gonna send you this packet. You gotta fill it out, okay. and then we'll go from there." And I go to my email, I get this packet, and it's the most outrageous. I mean, they want to know your last eight girlfriend. They want to know this. They want to know that. I mean, your social security, sign yeah. your life away. I'm like, this can't be real. And then I looked up who the email was from. I'm like, holy shit, this, this is, is real. This is a casting director. And so then the process for anyone that uh, is unfamiliar with the show, I just find. It interesting it, it goes pretty deep like they bring you through like a regional interview and then they bring you through like what they call the top 50 and then when you're in the top 50 they do different camera work with you they do a what? Six, 600 question uh, psych analysis then you have to meet with a psychologist you have to get std testing you have to like do a i remember this one this inter- is so invasive it, it, well yeah, it's reality TV. yeah so is my fair. life <laughs> fair 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 so i mean it's a it's a crazy experience and then uh when they they said do you want to go on the show the answer was yes, but I was, I'm a senior corporate banker, right. you know, just you got paid that. a nice, but yeah, you can't do that. So in my book, The Restart Roadmap, I actually put the exact memo I sent to my boss that allowed Wait, that, tell us about it. Tell us about it. So, what did it say? So you'll appreciate this as someone who's analytical. I, I watched the last, the, only the first episode, like I watched the elimination episodes of the five previous <laughs> okay. seasons, like four previous seasons to understand how many people started and then how many people were left each time. Yeah. And what I figured out is that uh, after the first night, after the first rose ceremony, roughly around 33% of the cast is gone. I then did the math to realize that after a certain amount of weeks, I think it's like once you get down to the final four, that's only a month of filming. And then I confirmed it with a producer. So I pretty much had a percentage of likelihood I would be back mm. each day. And the percentage of likelihood that I would have been back after four weeks was like 92%. Decently high. Yeah. And I had saved so much PTO for my year. So I was like, listen, I've done so much. Like I've done so much for the bank. You guys have every year exceeded expectations. I'm just asking for a personal leave. And it went all the way to the president of the bank and they approved it. I and can't I believe the they approved that. And I got to use all my PTO. I pretty much got paid for most yeah. of the time to be on the show. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And being on The Bachelorette, what was that experience like dating in front of national TV? Like, you know what I mean? Like when I go on a date, like sometimes I say something embarrassing. I'm like, whew, like glad no one else heard that except for this random that I'm never going to see again. But like any interaction you had like was on camera for millions of people to see here's i think it's a great question here's a big life lesson i learned in my book too i also talk about when i was having so much anxiety as a banker because i lost myself i'd be sitting Mm -hmm. in a room of 10 people ceo cfo and i had to pitch and there was a moment i had a full panic attack we're getting ready for the pitch i'm the youngest person in the room like can't screw this up other banks are at the table yeah you know can't lose this deal and right when it's about to take off i'm like i'm gonna i'm gonna like pass out here i run to the bathroom i shut the door i've literally passed out in the floor the bathroom and I'm like what the fuck is going on and I go through a whole journey of trying to self-correct that and understand it but what's interesting enough is only eight people were in that room and when right. I did pass out only eight people knew <laughs> yeah. and maybe the total impressions of those eight people were like 35 if they told their friends and family yeah when I got you know when you're under that camera in that world you're talking about ABC cameras yeah. those are, those are no joke those are millions of people watching yeah 
I wasn't as nervous. And I think the only correlation to that is I wasn't as nervous because I was just, I got to be me. I didn't have to be the banker in the suit that gotcha. had to say the right thing at the right time in the right place. And my hands couldn't move and I had to sit a certain way and I couldn't look a certain way. Or, so one of the biggest like takeaways I had from the whole experience was like, when you can drop in your authentic self, it doesn't matter how many cameras are watching. Now, let me be real with the question. The first time you ever like make out, like you're making out <laughs> or, or, you know, you know, that first time anybody out there, the first time, like you're going to go for a kiss, you know, like the nerve. Yeah. Behind it, imagine the nerves behind <laughs> it when all these cameras are producing. Like, if I get denied here, it's gonna be it's a bad kiss. Yeah. Like, oh shit! So that's in the back of your head. But then you do get to a point where there are cameras everywhere, and you're just numb to it. Yeah. And the big thing that I take away from that is when you're locked in the moment, when you're so present with what's going on, even if there are producers and cameras and stuff, it's it's irrelevant to you. And that's why uh, people connect a lot with the show, especially when it gets deeper, because those people aren't paying attention to the cameras. They're mm-hmm. so locked into what's happening mm-hmm. at that time. And every. Everybody can relate to that moment of dating and being nervous and, you know, feeling feeling that fear of rejection. Sadly for our friend Jason, obviously you didn't win. However, after your season, you are a recognizable person. Like you go back to your little desk job, but suddenly, you know, everybody knows who you are. I mean, were you getting stopped on the street? It was a, it was a thing like with the first six episodes, I was nowhere to be found. And then I had this one episode where my uh, Becca, the bachelorette brought my friends and surprised me. And like that episode yeah. just connected with a lot of people. And uh, it was after that, I started to notice like people in the street be like, Jason, Jason. And I'd be like, well, I'm like, what the hell's going on? And it was a really just, <laughs> I walked into office once and the, the, the like regional president's assistant was like, hey, I hear you're a good kisser. I'm like, oh. what the? Oh my God. <laughs> That's when like, I was like, wow, I really did open up my personal life. Yeah. And it's a weird world when your professional life and your personal life collide. Yeah. Uh, and what's the takeaway from that actually for me was that once it did collide, I weirdly started connecting with people better. Like mm-hmm. people at work, I would never give them anything. Well, who are you dating? What are you doing? Nope, 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 nothing. But like once I just allowed it to be one, and I was like open with everything. You could be yourself. Yeah, more people wanted to like come up and talk about things or talk about my family or talk about how I handled it. Or, you know, I had a tough breakup once. And it is interesting that I think we live in this world where there's so many silos of what we do. But I think once you can bring those walls down, it could really open up a lot for you. So you mentioned the regional director's assistant mm-hmm. is, you know, heckling you now in Chirping the office. Oh, so yeah. you you did go back to that job. How long did you stay there? Because obviously you're not doing that job anymore. I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah, I went back to that job for a full year. Oh, wow. Okay. Quite a time. Yeah. I call it my double dip year. So I was working full time as a banker. And then on weekends, I'd leave to go do like, you know, they do like a bar appearance or I do like an ad or something. So I was double dipping. And then there was a time where I did a live event with Caitlin's podcast in New York City. And on her podcast, she empowers women to like, you know, all the people that you look up to come on her show and they each tell a confession and the confession is to say, hey, we all make mistakes. We all have embarrassing moments. And so part of her confession was she joked around about the first time we hooked up. That story got put in some clickbait articles (laughs) and um, long story short, and if you want to dive into it, we can, but that was the end of the banking career. Mm, (laughs) Yeah, that's that's tough. That's Um, tough. Okay, so you actually, you know, got, you left this banking job probably a little earlier than you personally would have. Is that right? I mean, my goal 
I was ready to go, especially yeah. after the double dip. Right? I believe I, I that. wanted to go before the show. Yeah. And so my plan was to leave in October. The reason I was planning to leave in October was because at that point, all that bonus money and the move money and all those things were clear. They're from exemption. I didn't have to worry about it. Yeah. I ended up leaving in June. Okay. And we came to an agreement when I left that it all, let's just say it all worked out. Yeah. Um, but my plan was to leave probably like six months or so thereafter. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, did it scare you going from a stable, dependable job where you're making multiple six figures, living a really, really comfortable life to whatever this is? Right. So at this point, it was just like influencing. Right. But this is 2018 when we don't really know exactly what influencing is. Right. And so I don't know the space at all. I don't know the market. What I do know is that for now, for about a year, I have supplemented and maybe even more, I've made more than I was as a banker. Okay. And I'd saved a lot from it. So as a result of that, I was like, wait a second, I can continue down this trajectory. I can continue down this lane if I can learn the business a little bit more. And so I did a nosedive in 2018 into the whole influencing space. And I got to a point where I felt that I, from a savings perspective, I was in a good place to leave. And I felt like from a monetization standpoint of where I was then versus when I got off the show, I was in a place to have sustainability for what I called was like two years. I was like, I know for sure I can sustain what I'm doing now for two years. You bought yourself a parachute for two years. I bought myself a parachute for two years without impacting my financial window whatsoever. And I said, after that time, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to go back to banking. Oh, okay. So you were like mentally ready to go back if you had to. Go back to some type of corporate job. Okay. Yeah, totally. You have this book, The Restart Roadmap. Obviously, going from banking to The Bachelorette, then from The Bachelorette to quitting your full-time job to becoming a creator, those are all restarts. What would you say are some of the other restarts or like pivotal moments throughout your career and your life? Oh, that's a good one. I mean... I mean, I would say if I if you look at the pillars of like professional, personal, and financial journeys, there's been restarts in each one of those categories. Mm-hmm. In the financial journey, I would say, that, you know, the biggest re- restart is probably like a loss I had on an investment or like a bad decision I've made. Fortunately, within the financial space, the restart hasn't been too aggressive in, in any which way or form. Can you talk about that or no? So yeah, there was there was one investment I made, and this is a good lesson for anyone out there because this was in like the the Reddit uh, GameStop. Oh no. Era. Right? Oh, this was, no, it was probably like 2019 and it wasn't one of the big ones that everyone okay. said. It was, uh, and I had really credible people behind me oh, okay. telling yeah, really yeah. quote unquote <laughs> credible lesson learned. Uh, it was, uh, I'll leave it at this. It was a, it was a publicly traded um, digital art NFT type mm-hmm. company mm-hmm. with some big brains behind it. And I knew some people at the leadership level um, and I thought this was a company that was going to take off. And I invested, I lost, I lost like 50 grand in that investment. Um, so yeah, I mean, I lost every penny of it. So that was just like, I mean, in that example, I didn't know anything about the space. I didn't understand NFTs. I didn't understand their product. I just truly believed in what I thought could be in a leadership group that I truly knowing mm-hmm. now didn't know shit about. And that was a good learning lesson for me, right? So that's yeah. a financial reset. If I think in all those situations, you got to understand like where are the mistakes you made, how are you going to grow from it? What are you going to put in place to make sure it never happens again? Yeah. Um, a personal reset I'm going through right now, like, you know, you're, you're engaged, a huge breakup, and you have to like reset what you thought life would be, what it was going to look like. And so that's a huge journey for me. And professionally, I got resets every day. I mean, so I own an agency, I have a podcast, I have my second book coming out, I'm doing some 
content creating, I do investing speaking. Mm -hmm. So there are just so many moving parts within those professions. And there's setbacks, there's successes, there are uh, lulls and highs, there are planning that goes into it that you never expected. And I always joke around now because I have buddies like, oh, you're an influencer now, like must be nice. <laughs> I'm like, I am working literally five times, times more much. than I did as a bear. It's nonstop because it's 24 seven and it doesn't shut down. And then I'll say the last part, is like just the mental aspect of understanding that you got to find some type of gratitude in yeah. whatever it is that you do, because especially when you're in the internet business, it doesn't stop. And there are people that are going to try and bring you down and knock you out. And then even when you're on your highest highs, you're eight steps behind. Like, so mm -hmm. if you're not mentally disciplined in this space, you will fucking lose yourself. I don't know if I could swear on this podcast. You can totally swear on this podcast. And so, <laughs> especially as an agency working with so many different talents, so many different areas, they do. And so that's a huge component of it too. Totally. And you talk a little bit about, you know, being an entrepreneur, media personality, creator, influencer, can you break down for me where you make your money? Yeah. Oh, for you don't sure. have to give us the true trading yeah, secrets yeah. of like dollar say, to dollar, is, but, like but we got like, like a little like, trading secrets yeah. episode here. Talk to me so, about how you make your money. So without a doubt, the highest margin money that comes in is paid partnerships. Mm -hmm. I mean, like paid partnerships. That's pretty much for everybody. Right. Too. Yeah. yeah. But and if you think about it, it depends how you're structured with your team and what percentage you're paying out. But it is very, very attainable to have a 90% profit margin from a deal that comes in. Yeah. And like what business does yeah. that happen? No other nope, cost. No, no, nothing. no other cost. So I'd say brand partnerships make up a huge, huge percentage of my revenue. Podcast is growing significantly. I mean, we are every year we are growing at a rate that we didn't expect. And that is becoming a, a much larger, larger business. It's a six figure business, not a seven figure. Hopefully one day we'll get there. And then speaking, I would say, you know, Mike, if I give, if I do a speaking event, it's gonna be in like 10 to 20 K a clip. Mm -hmm. And so if we can land one of those every month or so, I mean, that's, that's always gravy. something we're trying to do. Like that's a yeah. beautiful thing that's been, that's been building up pretty good. And I mean, the agency, the idea behind the agency, was like, if the influencing thing dies tomorrow, if content mm -hmm. creation just completely goes away for my brand, which it very well could, like something could happen tomorrow and it's done. The idea is like, how do you sustain it? And so what I figured out was like, if I'm paying agents anywhere from 15 to 20, 25, 10%, whatever it is that I'm paying them, and I'm making at a 500,000 follower perspective at the time, I talked very openly about it. I was making seven figures just off that Instagram page. And a lot of people were coming to me like, how the hell are you doing this? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And so I was concerned consulting with creators about it. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I can make money. I this. can help them do this. And if I could help them do this, all I would need is somewhere between seven, you know, let's say five at the low end or eight at the high end to double what I'm making if I'm making 10 to 15, 20% off of yeah. that. And I could sustain that. And if all mine went away and those eight people still stayed there, well, I just supplemented everything I made. So that's been a, a really, really, really Genius. large growing business. One of the, um, when you talk about straight up profitability though, We've we've never not had a profitable year, but investing, growing, scaling, hiring people. We have an agent right now who is in the hospitality industry who started with us 14 months ago, who is absolutely crushing it. And so when I think about someone like that, I would rather pay her and grow the business than pay myself. So right. when I look at like actual profitability, it's less than actual influencer um, dollars that I'm making at this point. But yeah, there's a lot of, you know, there's some passive income and stuff like that, but it's a little bit about it. Okay. And now... Gun to your head. Gun to my head. Which of these lines of business is your favorite? Pick your favorite. Pick your favorite kid, basically. Oh, what is my favorite? My favorite's podcasting. 
Really? Yes. My fit. But what I hate, what I hate about podcasting is like the admin and the process behind yeah, okay. it. Yeah. Like okay. Setting it up, scheduling it. Where yeah, are we going? Yeah, yeah. Getting the clips out. Did we edit it? What's the title? Mm-hmm. The summary. All that. I hate it. But the idea of sitting down with like industry leaders or people like yourself who have achieved what they have in such a short period of time with wild curveballs and like learning from them, it's like a dream to me. It's yeah. like I've I always did that before I I was in this space. I'd be I'd want to get coffee with people that just. Crush it and be like, how'd you get there? And so now I get to do it when it's like recorded and then people are listening and people can learn from it. And I'm getting to sit down with like, you know, Rob Deerdex or Shark yeah. Tank or A-Rod or yourself or just uh, different actors, comedians, people I used to look up to and be like, holy shit, this is cool. So I enjoy that the most. Okay. I love that answer. And you have all these things going for you. How do you think we should measure success and happiness? Because we talked about this a little bit on the subway right here. It can sometimes feel like a hamster wheel, that you're Mm. always chasing the next viral moment. How do you think we should measure happiness and success like while we have it so we can actually smell the roses? It's a, I mean, it's a really good question. And I think- A little deep there, right? Yeah. And I I think it makes sense though, because if you look at happiness, it is, it's not objective, it's subjective, right? Like Mm -hmm. your happiness can be a whole lot different than mine and different than anyone in this room. Uh, The cashier today, when I was in the airport at Dunkin' Donuts, I walked away from that transaction. I was like, that person- is 10 times happier than me right now. And I just wow. had this moment. This was this morning. And I was like, wow, like that's, it's just eye opening, right? And am yeah. I, do I, is my, am I making more of that person? Yes. Am I, you know, are there are a lot of things in my life that I might have that that person doesn't. Absolutely. But that person, the whole time, smile, energy behind the scenes in front of me, everything was glowing. And that was an eye opener for me because it is subjective. It's not measurable, but if you have to measure it, I think a good way to do so is what we talked about when we started this episode is like, check in with yourself. When I do, I I journal, when I do Mm -hmm. journal, I write like my mental score. I do write my mental score and it's, it's (laughs) hasn't been high lately. Uh, (laughs) And and then you can just back into why isn't it high? And I know you guys, I'm not allowed to ask why it's not high. Well, I mean, we all know why it's not high. Um, but there's just like, I think what I've concluded is that the foundation of it, and you can ask whatever you want, fire away. Don't f- fuck no, my, Evan's going to be mad fuck at me. Fuck my team. Evan could deal with it. But the foundation of the my life that creates happiness, what I've especially learned in darker time is it's friends, it's family, it's my health. Like those are the three things. And while the money comes and goes, it's great. While the people I get to interview are fun, while, you know, big deals might come up whatever I have freedom in my job which is a huge component but it still just comes down to the friends the family and the health yeah and when that foundation gets disrupted you'll be so surprised that when you've really committed to that foundation how those people show up for you times you didn't expect them to show up and it also is a reminder that at the end of the day that's all that matters that's your life's work truly it is your life's work and so for me when i look at happiness it starts there it's repairing that foundation and then the other things will come because Mm -hmm. These, these little hits of dopamine, I don't know, you get a big post or yeah. a big sponsorship. I mean, it's fun, but it comes, it goes. It's almost like a drug where that foundation, no matter where you're in, the darkest of moments or the highest of it highs, grounds you. there, grounds you. And that's for yeah. me what drives my happiness. Okay. So let's talk about what advice, you know, you are someone who went through multiple metamorphoses. What advice would you give to someone who is currently you know, in a job that they don't like, that they're starting to feel really burnt out by, they want to do something new. How do you effectively restart? I think it starts with, this is such an overused word, This the whole self-work 
thing is so overused. But I'll ask anyone listening right now, this second, right now, right now, someone says, who are you? So like, who someone says, who is Jason Tardick, right? How quickly can you answer that with confidence? Do you stumble? Do you think mm. twice? Do you really understand it? And I think majority of people go through the entirety of their life not exploring themselves and not really dropping into who they are at the core. And I don't think you can really understand your direction until you've dropped into yourself. There's something that you possess. There's something you have. There's something you see, you touch, you feel, you speak. There's something you do that's different than someone else. There's something each of us, there's four people in this room that can all do better than one another. What those is, we probably have to sit here and identify it, but there's something Evan can do way better than me and I can do way better than Evan. And you can't really identify where you need to be in life until you've understand that. And then once you understand that, I think tapping into that is the key to everything. And I think tapping into that, the level that you're willing to tap into whatever that differentiates you will determine your success. And I think that level is greater than talent. Like a lot of people mm -hmm. have talent in something, but unless you come obsessed with it, unless you have really understood it and just drill into it, you're never going to achieve that next level. And then the basic answer, like the less of like a self-help answer would be find things within your day-to-day -day roles and responsibilities that align with the things that, you know, God you or spirits or energy, whoever gifted you. Like you, everyone's got a gift. And if you're not doing, imagine if Tom Brady didn't throw a football. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. that, like you think about these people that didn't find what their gift was. You guys, Jason's you been using sports references to me for the past two hours and I'm just like blank stare here <laughs> in the headlights the entire time. What was the other one I used? You were just like talking about like something, I don't know, some other football thing that I was like, oh, okay. I yeah. mean, imagine Martha Stewart didn't start designing and cooking. Yeah. Right? Fair, I don't totally. Know. Pick someone else. Yeah. Who's who's someone you, who's someone you um, look up to? Imagine if Jay Shetty didn't become a monk. We'd all be right. fucked. Exactly. <laughs> totally. If um I'm trying to think of like my favorite. Who's someone you look up to? Bobby Brown didn't start making makeup. Okay, yeah. there you go. It's a good one. Right? If you don't find that. Yeah. And, and I think what's cool is when you realize how late people in life actually find what yeah. it is. They find it. I mean, there are story after story yeah. after story of people that have achieved outlying success that have taken them years and years to find what it is. So step into it. Love that. Because life won't allow you to step into it. You got to like hit pause and do it yourself. Love that. Okay, so we are moving into the final segment of the show, the lightning round about love and money. Mm. So first question, I know this is going to be a little bit of a personal one. You obviously just had a very public breakup. Talk to me about coming out of that breakup. What's something that's been harder than you anticipated and something that's been easier? Ooh, that's a good one. What's been harder is thinking about the future. Yeah. That's been harder. What's been easier has been the day-to-day, -day, you know? So Interesting. Like I, the day-to-day -day where I was, like, thinking, like, pure debilitation, like, how do you get through the day? Yeah. I think getting through the day-to-day -day and, and finding the good in things and staying positive has been much easier than anticipated. But I feel um, like you're also an optimist. Yeah. but You're, like, always smiley. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but behind those smiles, there's yeah. all... I, I've, I mean, literally, I joke around about this. I think especially because I've gone to therapy, I'm much more in touch with my emotions now than I we ever We love have. an emotionally available yeah. man who Emotion, goes to therapy. Yeah. Oh, shit, I go every two weeks now. But <laughs> I, have, I have cried more tears in the last two and a half months than I have combined in my entire life. Yeah. Like, so... I think that's what's been harder is the emo like just it all like the emotional floodgates always they, they're just there but also being connected to those emotions allow me to know like what to look for what to learn from how to grow so that's one and then what also has been harder than I anticipate is alone time 
Mm. You know, when your thoughts are racing. Can I ask, how many siblings do you have? I have one older brother. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm an only child. I yeah. love alone time. You do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like working on that. Because part of not being alone is not, be, like, pe- part of the reason that I want to be my alone is because then I'm by myself. And if I'm by myself, if I'm you not, nothing but your if thoughts. I'm not comfortable with myself <laughs> and my thoughts, yeah. then everything I just said in this episode, like, so every day, those yeah. are the things I'm working on, like getting comfortable with myself. So that's a long freaking answer but no yeah. that's yeah. i think that's a very very eyes. valid very vulnerable answer yeah. and i appreciate you sharing that with us let's pivot to money let's pivot to money when do you think it is an appropriate time in a relationship to bring up finances with your partner hmm. well i just wrote a book that's coming mm-hmm. out here soon it's called talk money to me right yeah so it's all about the idea of being transparent about uh finances with your partner and uh, i know everyone has different standards for this but i'll say this we've gotten so uncomfortable Like we have become so comfortable as a society talking so openly about sex, which is great. I'm a big sex positive guy. Everyone (laughs) have sex. Do what you want. You're into kinky shit. Go for it. Do whatever you want to do. But we've become so comfortable talking about that, but we still haven't been that comfortable talking about money. So I like to connect the two because I think in both of those situations, sex and money, we feel vulnerable. We're, we're, We're opening a lot of things up that we don't open to many people and we have to do it to create connections. And my thought is if you can have sex with someone and in a relationship, you could start having the conversation about what you make, where you bank, where your money is, how much your or what your credit score is, mm-hmm. how much debt you have, what your goals are, how you spend. Like if we can have sex with each other, we can have these conversations. Yeah, I know. Listen, there's people that are doing the, the one night stands and all that. I'm not saying that. But if you're <laughs> down the road of a relationship yeah. and you're having sex, you should be having talks about discussions about money. It's the number two reason, as you know, why relationships end uh, and financial infidelity within marriages is larger than infidelity. And these are massive topics. And when you enter into a relationship, especially a marriage, yes, you're entering into love and forever happiness, but you're also entering into a contract that we have seen fail 50% of the time. And you're entering into a contract that binds you, your future family, your future worth in so many directions. And we just have to talk about it. You know, you hear about like, like um, just all the different lies that are happening out there and all these like new relationship terms that like, you do this, you do that, all these like new things that are out there and deception. Why catfishing all this stuff? Like you can get all the answers for this. You can get yeah. someone's credit report and you have the whole story. They yeah. can't lie to you. Yeah. So why not have these conversations to prevent potential disasters? Jason Tardick recommends that you pull a credit report on your new boo. You're damn right. <laughs> Absolutely. If you're like, once you start getting in after, you should, you should know. They should pull their credit report For and you. show you. Yes. And vice versa. Yeah. And it's going to be weird at first. And it's going to be like, wait, what? How are we going to do this? I don't know about this. But imagine the connection you'll have when you actually understand each other's report. Mm-hmm. When you see some of their flaws. When they're no longer have that barrier to talking about why that credit card still has debt. And they're more addressing it with you. It could be powerful. Yeah. When you are going through a breakup, how would you recommend you manage your finances, especially if they've been intermingled and intertwined? For so long. I think the same way, I mean, if you have a system, like, you know, there are obviously systems and contracts you can put yeah. in place to avoid this, but probably the same way that you put the webs together, the same web way that you should probably unweave them. Um, and I think when it comes to finances as a couple, what I what I would suggest is everyone needs, you know, you need a customized solution. So it's yeah. really hard to provide these cookie cutter solutions. But something I think that makes a lot of sense is you have your earnings, they have their earnings, you have your individual accounts, 
they have their individual accounts. But I think when you think about things that you buy as one and buy as a unit, especially um, as you're planning towards maybe next steps or thinking about getting married, I love the idea of a joint account, but mm-hmm. I also think that you're gonna have to customize it appropriately based on earnings. Do I think if one person relationship makes $300,000 and another person that makes $40,000, should you be contributing the same to that? Probably not. You two have to have discussion to figure that out. But I think having a joint account, and even if it's pro rata as a percentage of what you make, I love if, that. if you agree to put in 5,000, you agree to put in $1,000 the first of every month, and you know you make 20% of your partner, that's fine. Let's why don't one put 200 in, one put 800. So just yeah. creating a system that makes sense where leverage and what resources are coming in aren't weaponized, but they're used as one to grow together. I love that. Equity over equality. Yes, let's that's go. That's awesome. Okay, now my favorite topic. Gifts are inevitable in a relationship. Mm-hmm. What's your advice when it comes to shopping for your significant other without breaking the bank? Also, what is the best gift Abu has ever gotten you? Wow. Um, I think f- first and foremost, when it comes to gifts, it's the same thing that we're talking about here. It's yeah. communication. I think everyone that's like trying to surprise and like do these crazy <laughs> things, those are all great. Like do that. But like have an idea of what the target is. So I think setting a budget like, hey, just so I have an idea, I'm not caught off looking like a jackass. What are we thinking? <laughs> what are we thinking for the gifts this holiday? What is our price point? And some people like tangible things. Some people like experiences. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could tell you in the past, especially during the holiday season, Caitlin and I were much, much bigger on experiences. Totally. So we would just say, hey, for Christmas, rather than getting each other things, let's go on this vacation. Let's do this. We'll fly first class, da 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 and we'll just put it towards that. So for me, it's experiences. And for me, it is... Um, it's definitely got to be a communication-based thing. Otherwise, you might be looking just a little foolish. But figure <laughs> out what you want. You know, I think that's that's a big one. Um, the second thing is, I think best gift. We'll give KB some credit here. Uh, when she surprised, said one day what I was looking for on my bucket list. I'm like, we're uh, looking at a Green Bay Packers watching a game. I was like, it's a bucket list to go to Lambeau for no other reason mm-hmm. than I love sports, as you oh know. Oh my god, brutal. <laughs> you're, you're like awful. She surprised me for a trip to Lambeau, so that oh, was that was really, really nice. cool. So a little shout out there, you know? I love that. There we go. I also love that you are still able to talk about your experience so fondly and so positively. I think that's really, really wonderful. Yeah. So I want to talk about your favorite affordable date. We're talking about broke.com. Like, imagine you have almost no money. How are you taking out this date? Oh, I like that one. Especially well, now <laughs> these days, I mean, cocktails are 40 bucks. So Jason's, you gotta... <laughs> Jason's business partner, Evan, is currently laughing. Is he like, laughing? in the background. What are you laughing at? I would love to know what you're laughing at. We just talked about. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That I was going to say. I was yeah. going to say that. I was actually yeah. going to tell the story. Um, we have a... <laughs> How much information should I give? <laughs> All of it? All of it? All right. So, so, you know, this isn't my, this scene is not my scene right now, but if (laughs) suppose I was going on dates left and right, I have a friend from the bachelor franchise. His name is pilot Pete. (laughs) People (laughs) may know of him. And I laughed at him because he said he had like, I don't know, he had like three dates that week or something like that. I'm like three. That's a lot of effort. That's what I said. I was like, dude, what? Like I did that when I was like in my early twenties, but I also was like broke and I was like, ha this is free dinner. Well, that's all. That's (laughs) all. Yeah. So you're getting the 
free dinner. Yeah. But I said, I'm like, dude, so you're going three dates. All right, so you go three dates. You're going three dates a week. That's 150. You know, I'm doing all this. Average dinner's 300 bucks. Like, where do you find the time? How is the money? Mm-hmm. Like, are you enjoying this? Is yeah. it exhausting? It sounds like hell to me. Like, three yeah. dates a week sounds like hell. And Asking like, oh. about somebody's siblings and their family and what their oh, interests are like, three was, times a week. Especially because if I'm, I'm the kind of guy, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do something, do it right. So yeah. if I'm going to go on a date, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to like really think about it. And I'm going to like okay. have a good conversation. I'm going to be like fully engaged, nice. locked in. So three sounds like hell. But he's, I said, like, how do you, what do you, what's, what do you do? Like, where do you go? And he said, oh yeah, my new thing. Then he get, we just go on a walk in Central Park. I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, do you get a drink? Do you get, nope, nope. Literally first date. That's all I do now. I go on a walk in Central Park. We do a lap get to know each other and if it makes sense for a second date we'll go on a second date and that's does it. he even buy them like an ice cream from like the mr softy I truck th- <laughs> i don't know did he what did he say does he all right evan can confirm wow. he doesn't so pete sorry for blowing your uh <laughs> blowing your cover on your dating life but apparently a big central park walk guy you know what that's actually quite nice though around this time of year central park is beautiful yeah. it's quite romantic totally um, it would be more romantic if they got ice cream from the Mr. Softy, but yeah. that's fine. And then they should, yeah, and he should definitely splurge, give him like the chocolate dip. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, with like, the sprinkles. Yeah, for I would sure. hope he would do that. Maybe phone, should we phone Pilot Pete? Let's, <laughs> let's phone him. Let's see if he will confirm this story. Do you think uh, he's flying right now? Oh my gosh. Do you mind if we try and call no, him? No, let's do it. Let's try and call him. Mr. Pilot Pete, how are you today? What's good? What's good, man? I'm chilling. How are you? I'm doing all right. I have you live right now on a podcast. Are you okay if I ask you a quick question? (laughs) Live on the podcast. Let's do it. So you are on the Your Rich BFF podcast run by Vivian, and we have a question about budgeting while dating. I was thinking about the example that you had brought up about your walks. Can you talk a little bit about that, or are you willing to? Just to, you know, it's, it's it's a way to get to know someone while also saving a couple bucks. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I do. I do. hundred percent. Obviously living in, uh, you know, New York city can get quite expensive, uh, going on dates, but I, um, I think kind of like I, uh, I recently started doing uh, the whole central park walk. It doesn't have to be central park. There's any kind of park, um, around town. It's kind of nice just to, uh, meet for the first time, kind of low pressure situation plus. setting and all that. And, um, they kind of walk off any nerves too. If you got those at the beginning Ooh, of the day and then, um, you know, sometimes if you're sitting kind of like jittery a little bit, you know, the nerves can get the best of you, but you know, and then from there on, if it goes well, you know, do a little you know, maybe a mile or two and then, and then go out for a, uh, for a drink after if it, if it continues to go well and, and see where the night takes you guys. All right. Vivian has a cu- couple quick questions. So Mr. Pilot Pete, I have to ask, What's up, Vivian? while you guys are taking the Central Park walk, do you purchase your date of the moment, a ice cream cone from the Mr. Softy truck at the entrance of the park? Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> and like a couple of weeks ago, or even like a week ago, that was like the perfect move in New York with how hot it was. So 100%. We love it. There you That's go. That's a great date. I thought, you know what? She asked me, I said, I'm not in that game yet, but Pilot Pete is, and he's a big he's a big walker, so I'm here for that. <laughs> I've become a big walker, yes. I can attest to that, so definitely a big fan. All right. I appreciate you answering, and uh, thanks confirming what I thought. You're the man. All right, guys. See you, buddy. Take care. Bye. Healthy and wealthy. We love Healthy that. and wealthy, and he's a pilot. <laughs> what more could you ask for? Exactly. And very last question I would like to ask, what is your favorite trait in a partner and what is a trait that you look for? What do you think is like really important? Maybe not your favorite, but I want the two. I can tell you favorite traits I'm looking for. 
Okay, is let's that do okay? that. Yeah, let's do start that. With that. I think loyalty. I, I am naturally like if if you're in my inner circle, like if I if it takes a lot to get there, but if you're there, I am going to give you all the loyalty, honesty, and respect like I have in my body. Like mm-hmm. I will run into a train for you. It's just how I wow, operate. Wow. Okay. And so I expect similar loyal, like yeah. honesty, respect. I think that's very important. Yes. I force my fiance to vote in a block with me. So if I don't like someone, he's not allowed to like them either. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Compromise, I think, is another one. <laughs> no, but I think I think loyalty, honesty, respect. I think I actually do think compromise, like that's mm-hmm. so important, working yeah. as a unit. And support. I mean, support is, it's everything, right? Like yeah. you and I talked about on our podcast, life is going to throw curveballs. Uh, people are going to change. No one yesterday should be the same as today. Like they're going to have different experiences, hobbies, uh, desires, and being able to work and grow with your person to support the life they want to live so that they can be the best version of themselves, uh, to me is like one of the number one things I'm looking for. I love that. That's a wonderful answer. Yeah. And that is all, folks. But before we go, Jason, tell everyone where we can find you and about your book and where people can order it. Yes. So we have the Trading Secrets Podcast. Yours, the best, your rich BFF, Vivian, has been on the show. Come check out that episode. My handles on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, threads, all that YouTube is going to be either Trading Secrets Podcast or Jason underscore Tartik. Uh, the agency that I talked re- uh, about is called Rewired Talent Management Group. So you can just go to Rewired Talent on Instagram. You can check us out there. And then my first book's The Restart Roadmap. You can get that anywhere books are sold in the second book is going to be called Talk Money to Me. It's the eight questions that you must be able to answer about your financial situation and you must be able to answer about your partners. Ooh, spicy. Not, obje- not subjective, objective. Every question is a number so you can't bullshit your way around it. And every chapter is a way to understand that number, how to have healthy conversations, improve that number. It will improve your overall health. And the whole motto is to live a happy, healthy, wealthy life and have all the time in the world to enjoy it. So talk money to me. I think by the time this comes out, you'll be able to pre-order on Amazon. So every order helps. Thank you. Amazing. And this is so much fun. I had such a great time on this show. Me too. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!